Hello everyone and welcome to episode 16 of Sights on Sinnoh. My name is William and I'm here with JM. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you? Doing alright. Getting through. Been a busy week but summer's here. It's getting hot. Trying to see when I can hit the beach. How are things on your neck of the wood? Also really hot. So we've had... Like over a month of rain, and that's all burned off this week. So oh, it's just no. incredibly dry heat now. I really wish we could get some rain here, but it's Southern California, so mm, uh, Not I'm gonna, Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be a big no on our end. But yeah, for anyone tuning in for the first time, Sites on Sino is a Diamond and Pearl anime podcast that is kind of set for you to catch up on the anime and hear our thoughts on these episodes from the Diamond and Pearl season, titled Diamond and Pearl. <laughs> so it's just a little confusing, but we are gearing up for Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl coming out later this year. And I don't think I got to ask you this last time, JM, but we did get some release dates and I want to know your thoughts on them. I am excited. I... I don't remember the dates off the top of my head, but there's what only like two, three months between. Yes, I think um, one's in November, and then Legends of Arceus, the new, still not very informative game, is set to be released in January of 2020. Right. I think a lot of people are concerned that it's going to be like really close release between the two. I have a feeling that there's going to be some link between them and like the idea is that they want that Game Freak wants the two games to be relevant and sort of played simultaneously. So I don't think it's too bad of an idea. Um, judging by how long Snap lasted, um, <laughs> I, I think it'll be pretty similar with the, the remakes as it's more of something just to tide us over until uh, until Legends comes out. Yeah, I'm very curious about what that means for a possible next generation as well, that these games are so close together, and if that means that they're gearing up for like a regular release of the next gen in the fall of 2022. Um, that would be like three years since we got Gen 8, and this doesn't seem to be replacing any plans that they have for a holidays release that we get with some of the Pokemon games. Or at least that we got with Sword and Shield. Right. But one thing that I'm curious about with the remakes is if contests will be any different because I enjoy contests but <laughs> have now been more frustrated with them recently given that I'm trying to do a ribbon quest starting in Emerald and <laughs> I, I the, the contest there it's a lot of rng um but i finally got through them and now i'm stuck in battle tower but i feel like contests in the Sinnoh games were an improvement so i want to know generally what's your experience with contests in the games and the anime anywhere else did contests when i first played through the games i didn't pay too much attention to them um I have a shiny crowbat in my currently in my DS games um, that I caught when I was a kid in Emerald, uh, which I didn't Ooh. realize was difficult to do. Um, 
I mean, I knew shinies were rare. I didn't know Emerald had the weird, like, frame issue. Like, the, the RNG is just completely broken, making it, like, impossible to shiny hunt in that game. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's, like, a hidden value associated with your trainer. It's, like, a secret ID or something. It, it basically determines, like, what frame a shiny can appear on. It's it's really weird. Uh, okay. Um, so it's, like, not easy to shiny hunt in that game. But I have a shiny crowbat. Got it as a, Zubat, as a Zubat in Meteor Falls, and I did some ribbons with it as a kid. That was my, like, first playthrough of Emerald. I did some contests there. I didn't really do them in Gen 4. I mostly did them when I played through Ruby and Emerald. So I'm not, like, super familiar with them, and I've never played uh, Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire... So I haven't really tried contests in a long time. I do want to get back to it eventually with my Crobat in in my copy of Pearl that I have. Got it. Nice. Yeah, I I think Oras has the easiest <laughs> approach to contests because in the previous generations you had to rely on Pokeblock or Poffins, as we have already touched on in this anime a bit to boost the different stats of your Pokemon in terms of cuteness, toughness, beauty, etc. And those had a limit on them. Like, you could only feed your Pokemon so many Poffins slash Pokeblocks before you maxed out. And <laughs> that got really annoying if you want to do all of the categories. Um, but in Oris, they removed that limit. So that makes it a lot easier and hopefully better time for people trying to do a ribbon quest all the way through that gen but yeah it's i it's a very cool portrayal of contests in the anime that gets me more excited to do it in the games and we'll right. jump into that as we get to the second part of this two-part episode but starting off on this one i'll give a quick summary of getting the pre-contest titters episode 26 of diamond and pearl have to say that with a straight face don't know why they named it that way but with time running out before the start of the Floroma Town Pokemon contest Dawn and Pachirisu are getting in as much training as they can but it's not just Ash and Brock who are watching from the sidelines because Dawn's friend Kenny is here to compete in the contest too so this is where we get an introduction of a new character who actually does know Dawn because they're both from Twinleaf Town. And uh, right before we get to this moment, one thing that I really liked was Pachirisu and Pikachu working together to improve how Pachirisu discharges electricity. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And it sort of gives Pachirisu like a mentor, like someone who is at least a bit more skilled, uh, Pikachu's ambiguous level at this point aside <laughs> um but it, it gives patrice someone to look up to that's not part of dawn's team and that that has like a similar skill set and you know with every generation having some iteration of a pikachu clone yeah. uh it is it is neat that they do incorporate it and make it relevant rather than something like a, a pokemon that's just tacked in yeah, this is the first time we see a party member that goes along with Ash have an electric rodent from that region. And it's nice that they actually pair the two and are like, oh, you're similar in both your typing, but also your like species or egg group, maybe. 
so you can have a connection there in how you learn to use your moves. With Pachirisu, of course, using the moves more for contest appeal rather than Pikachu's kind of battle approach, but they both have the same the same task of storing electricity to make it that either as beautiful or as powerful as it needed to be. Exactly. Uh, all this training does attract some attention from someone named Kenny, who comes around the corner and is like, wow, it's DD. And Don immediately <laughs> is like, oh, oh, like someone knows that name. I <laughs> They have to be like very dramatic about it. Yes. <laughs> uh, she's like, only one person can know that name, which we actually learn about this nickname later on. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about this introduction of Kenny? I think it works. I, I like it. I think, and we'll obviously discuss Kenny more throughout this episode because he's like kind of the focal point aside from Don. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's an interesting character in that I kind of see a bit of Gary and Ash sort of um, a dynamic between them, but a little less antagonistic. Like he's still like he teases Dawn and makes fun mm-hmm. of her and like has a nickname for her and everything, but it's it's not from a place of malice. It's not like he's trying to like he's trying to annoy her, sure. Yeah. And we see that a lot coming up, but he's not actively like trying to hurt her. And he does have good intentions uh with his friendship with, with Dawn and, and they they are friends in the end. Yeah, like they even sit down at the table and start chatting about how they met and Don kind of goes over like, oh yeah, Kenny left Twin Leaf Town a little bit before I did. And mm-hmm. then he he actually gets, <laughs> well, he shows that his first Pokemon was a Piplup by introducing his main Pokemon, which is Printplup. Right. It shows that he's a bit ahead of Don mm-hmm. uh, and it creates that dynamic between their starters that I always love to see, which is a starter and its rival being its evolved form. Uh, my favorite version of this is actually the Rowlet and Hal's um, Sidui. Really? The Aloha okay. anime. Uh, way, way down the line. But I, I really like seeing that dynamic of like the base form starter and then it having a rivalry with its evolved form. I just think that's really fun. Interesting. I am very much on the opposite side of that. I don't like that at all. To me, it feels very, like, I don't know, very cheap, maybe, because they're like, oh, obviously, like, you're going to put something against its, like, older form, but also because you that younger form, like, Piplup in this case, can evolve into that also. And to me, it's, it's weird to compare the two especially if you don't know if that one is going to stay as it is or if it's going to actually change and look exactly like its rival right not to get too off topic but just pulling back in alola way in the future Hmm. uh, it actually that season does it twice it does it actually does it multiple times oh uh but the the main two are ash's um what's it called litten Mm-hmm. And the Mass Royals uh, Incineroar, and then the Decidueye Rowlet. Uh, and, and they're handled two different ways. Okay. One of, one of them goes through the evolution storyline of it's trying to get stronger so it evolves. And the other one does the opposite, where it 
doesn't evolve and it overcomes its opponent in spite of not evolving. So I, I liked how that one handled it because it, it did it both ways. I see. Some variety there then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's good. At least it didn't tread that same approach twice. And here, like, it is early, so I don't want to judge the relationship too hard. But we do see immediately how Piplup actually tries to be friendly with Primplup and it just gets slapped. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Don's like, what, are you, what, what was that for? And Kenny's like, I'm sorry, he does that because he's like, Primplup is a very proud Pokemon even in this Pokedex entry, and it can't even point out it really only respects Kenny. <laughs> We're just like, jeez, right. buddy. You might want to train that. Um, he does apologize, though, and that's where you kind of establish that rivalry with Piplup and Primplup uh, having a staring contest. And <laughs> he actually says that he's, that Kenny's a Pokemon coordinator, so he's going to be competing in the Floroma contest. And he watched Dawn at the Jubilee contest on TV. Um, and Dawn's actually surprised that Kenny became a coordinator, which isn't really explored much. But this is kind of... I don't know if this establishes that it's more common in Sinnoh for trainers to become coordinators after taking off from like their hometown and getting their starter Pokemon. Because now we're seeing two people from the same town that both decided to become coordinators and both got like their starter Pokemon in a way that is usually reserved for people going to compete in the Pokemon League. Right. It does put a lot of weight on the coordinators. And I think just in general, what we've seen is there's been a lot more um a lot more focus on the contest side of the region. I mean, we had the B button league from the last episode I was on, which were all coordinators and there are only two of them, but they were all coordinators. Uh, we had, uh, what was his name? The guy with the result. Yeah. Nando who decided to do both. The only other serious, uh, gym challenger that we've seen aside from Ash is Paul. Yeah, that's true. I don't think we've seen anyone else actually even mention gym battles, really. Well, there was one person that, like, they ran into uh, in the Krogan episode. Who, oh, yeah. Who had a scissor, but not, that was very much a character of the day moment. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, contests definitely seem a bit more prominent here, which I think is a cool touch that gives Sinnoh a bit more of a unique flavor. Um, and... This is also interesting because Ash uses his Pokedex to check Primplup, and mm-hmm. this also happened in the Nando episode with Dawn. <laughs> so I'm like, did they forget? Like, what? Why are you... Is, is it just because, like, oh, you want this to be the featured Primplup episode? Because in that past one with Nando, it only appears for, like, 10 seconds. But right. it did kind of struck me as an odd choice for them to even place Primplup in that original episode if they're going to do it here as well in a more um, focused way. I think back then it worked because it was like showing, especially for the audience as the games had just come out, you know, a few weeks into the, the game dropping, hopefully the player has gotten their starter to evolve once. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So I think being able to see that from the audience perspective was kind of cool early on. Uh, it's just, you know, the journeys move way slower in the anime. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Is It's more like to get people excited who have the game. They're like, oh, look, this is what your Piplup can evolve into. And right. this one is more for like, oh, this is a character that we'll see going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kenny also mentions that he lost to a powerful coordinator before that Jubilee contest. And that was none other than Zoe and her Glamio, actually. And that's where we find out that Zoe won her first ribbon from battling Kenny in an undisclosed city. Uh, but it already connects some of the coordinators that we've mentioned up to this point uh, to each other, which is kind of neat. Right. It feels like we're building up to something and that we'll definitely see Zoe again. That's already been established. Yeah. Maybe someday we'll see all three of them together. Yeah, definitely. It's it's very much building up the 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 crew of contest coordinators that Don's going to compete against, but also befriend, which is nice. <laughs> and here, Kenny uh, asks Ash. Kenny asks Ash. Oh boy, that's a mouthful. <laughs> if he's competing in the Floroma contest, and Ash says no, he's actually going for the Sino League, and that's kind of confusing a bit for Kenny, but. Again, everyone's just remembering Ash competed in the Jubilee City contest, and they assume he's a coordinator. <laughs> Which I right. find kind of funny that every time Ash is gonna have to explain that to people, it's like, no, it was Apop. He was like Apop wanted to compete. <laughs> and, it wasn't me, <laughs> especially because Ash was so rigid in the Nando episode about like only doing gym battles. It is interesting to see that brought up so much. And it does, again, bring into focus how big contests are in Sinnoh because they're televised. Yeah. Everyone watches them, and no one sees the gym battles. Ooh. They're very, they're very much private matches where it's, like, the trainer versus the gym leader and whoever happens to be watching, like, Paul or Don or Brock, don't really see, like, any televised gym battles. That's a good point. And you know what's also interesting? Is that there's always stands for an audience in these in the gym gyms. battles. But yeah. no one's ever there except Ash's friends. Right. So I'm like, is this a a commentary on the region shifting away from like gym battles being the popular thing to do and Pokemon contest instead taking that place? Yeah, and, and I think you sort of see that in other regions too with the uh, with the contest or whatever their analog to the contest is. Like Kalos has a weird almost contest thing mm-hmm. um, that just pops up for no reason. Uh, but then, <laughs> but then you see in Journeys, for instance, those matches are pretty public with like the mm. the X a uh, what's the word can't think of the word uh the the match between leon and lance for instance uh is super televised and it's like a whole big big deal there so it could just be region specific but it does seem that these contests are just lending themselves more to to being featured and televised yeah maybe it's more advertiser friendly because (laughs) their schedule 
world and you know there's gonna be a lot of people there competing at once well with gym battles they can pretty much be any time and no <laughs> it's like well whenever a challenger comes in we'll have it but we can't really put this into our um like televised schedule basically which exactly which is i don't know if that's looking too far into it but i, I think that's kind of funny if that's what they're thinking of with how they portray these um but again going back to kenny he talks about how he like just he just starts sharing a bunch of embarrassing stories of dodd and this is what leads to the great thumbnail of this episode which is (laughs) pikachu brock ash and piplup just covering their mouths as they try not to laugh oh man it is it's it's art that that (laughs) screenshot is incredible and and there's several of them there's the first one where they're all all four and then there's a second one where piplup like comes up front and is like front and center massive piplup just like trying not to laugh it's it's great (laughs) and dawn just gets so mad about this she's like all right kenny i'm gonna battle you to just make you stop talking (laughs) Uh, but he actually says no and wants to go against Ash's Pikachu because he wants the experience of uh, fighting something strong against his pip- his Primplup, which is like, oh, okay. I I think there's something more to this, the way that Kenny kind of looks at Ash earlier. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll get into that maybe later in, in the episode. But this leads to a battle between Kenny's Primplup and Ash's Pikachu, and he starts off with a Thunderbolt, but Primplup is able to actually deflect it using Metal Claw, which kind of shows the innovativeness or innovation that Pokemon contests bring to battles in terms of deflecting a move that would otherwise be super effective against Primplup and also making it look pretty. Right. It does show, I guess, a level of command that both Kenny and Primplup have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think Brock's uh, commentary here is great in that he says that, you know, Thunderbolt's the move that made Pikachu famous. Yeah. That's <laughs> a very specific line. I'm like, whoa, okay, bro. <laughs> but, but, but you're right. You can tell, I mean, anyone even who doesn't watch the Pokemon anime or had like maybe seen a few episodes as a kid, you know, like what move does Pikachu know? And I guarantee you most of them would say Thunderbolt or something similar. I mean, it has other attacks like Iron Tail, but you you don't see that as much. They're not as apparent. I think that is the signature move, especially because it ends so many Team Rocket encounters. (laughs) Yeah, very true. I didn't even think about that, but that's definitely where we see it like the most consistently. And Pikachu actually uses its own kind of contest-inspired move with a spin dodge and is able to get around it, which I think is cool. That immediately it's like, all right, we're going to do some tricks of our own. So Dawn makes a comment here. I don't remember where else Pikachu did this, but she says there's that move again. Oh, they did that at the Orberg City Gym. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Mm -hmm. what it was. And they actually copied that from Dawn when she was using it to fight the wild Aerodactyl in the episode before that gym battle, uh, where Piplup and Braniri were using the spin to get around a Giga Impact, which is like, oh, yeah, that, that's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you dodged there. 
it is it is cool to see that consistency and to see that Ash retains uh, the knowledge of these moves. Mm-hmm. The techniques just don't disappear. Yeah, you don't you don't just see them once and that's it, which is nice. Yeah, there's a good sense of continuity there for sure. Primplup then is falling towards the ground, so uses bubble beam to like make a <laughs> cushion for itself. Which is like, wait, wait, why didn't they just pop? <laughs> Which then explodes. Yeah, it's, it's very pretty. Which again calls into question the physics of moves here with the 3D animation. But, you know, yeah. it's pretty, so we'll, we'll, let it, we'll let it slide. And during all this, Jessie is trying to get new Pokemon, I guess, to compete. So she sends out James and Meow to steal some for her. Which seems right. like a very presumptuous thing given that they've never succeeded at this yeah you think they've learned by now apparently they don't as they send out to viper to cover the field in haze and stuff primplup in a bag uh as they try to get away but staravia comes out blows the smoke away then people actually jumps in with a new move to clear out the way for everyone else to get to um james and meowth who have are trying to get away with the primplup and that move is whirlpool i think it's introduced well i like how it almost looks like the evolution uh sort of visual effect yeah Mm, yeah and then they and then dawn doesn't even go there she she wonders if it's bide uh, mm. And Brock's like, no, it's it doesn't look like Bide. That, that looks different. Uh, and it, it's sort of like a double fake out. It's like you don't know where this is going. And this is a point. Like remember in the Starly Staravia episode, this is the sort of thing where it's like, of of course, this is where it evolves. So I, I think they pulled it off well with a, a slight fake out there. Yeah, especially because we just got Primplup. I didn't even think about that, but that's totally believable for people. It's like, oh, we just met the evolution. Maybe now Piplup's inspired to evolve itself. Right. Uh, but then we get Whirlpool. And what's weird about it to me is how massive it is. Yes, that is <laughs> the thing that surprises me every time, that this thing is just like... <sighs> 30 feet wide or something. It's like, like, yeah, this doesn't even huge. seem useful. Like you have to like chuck it and like, will cover everything, but it's so slow because it's so big. Right. It's definitely flashy. And it's, it's the sort of thing that I think Piplup needs for a contest. Mm-hmm. In terms of using in like battle or, other situations it doesn't seem super useful it's kind of impractical because yes it it looks like it takes a good effort for piplup to produce it and this will Mm -hmm. come into play much later on but i get the the like power that you're showing here but at the same time i don't know if you're thinking about it in a practical sense one sec i want to see something about it, yes, I was going to point that out. I'm pretty sure it only has like 15 power or something that's very low given its size. Yeah, I'm seeing 35. 
Yeah. I think in I think in other generations it might have been even lower. I that's what I might be thinking of then. Because that's might be also what's portraying my or like filling my perspective on this is that I know Whirlpool isn't a powerful move. Yeah. But the way it's shown here, it's like it's a, it's almost like a hydro pump or something. Right. And the, the they do mention that it has um that it's able to like sustain damage mm-hmm. uh over time, you know, like rap or any of those other like long term moves. Um but it only does like one sixteenth damage, like one sixteenth yeah. target max HP for a couple turns, like two to five. So even that sustained damage isn't super great. Definitely, it's so that's that's kind of the thing that I wonder if it confuses people going into the games that are like, oh, I should teach my Piplup or my Water Types Whirlpool because. Given how it looks in the anime, it's a really strong move. And then they get to it and they're like, what? Hold up. <laughs> I I did the same thing with when I finally got to playing Gen 5, when uh, I got a Joltik that I later evolved into a Gavantula. And uh, it had Electroweb. And mm, in later yeah. seasons of the anime, Pikachu gets Electroweb and it's insanely powerful. Right. And then I'm running this Garvantula that has like <laughs> this terrible electro web. I'm like, what is this? Why do I even have this move? <laughs> it's like a signature move for it too, but it's so weak. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the pitfall of this anime is that knowing the game data for the new move that we get here, which is a big deal for Piplup, it's a little weird to think about it. Um, outside of this context but here it's definitely shown to be kind of the new power move for Piplup which kind of is needed because at this point it knows Bubble Beam, Bide and Peck. None of those are flashy. Yeah, it, no, Bubble Beam's the closest thing and it doesn't even know like a practical move like Pound or something that it learned normally but I think it fits in the show. It's just a little weird in how it's portrayed, given that we know what it actually does in the games. Agreed. I do want to touch real quickly on the fact that during all this, Ash's team notices that Jesse's gone, and they yes. ask about it. Mm-hmm. And, and then they're confused on the answer. And... I was thinking about this. So they're confused that they say Jesse's getting her nails done because Jesse doesn't perform as Jesse in contests. Mm. She has that disguise that she uses, but then there is the episode a few before this where she does compete as Jesse. And so it's, it's like, and Ash's team is very aware that she, she competes. I didn't so even think about that. Yeah, it's I, real confusing. Maybe they're like, "What do you mean? She always wears gloves, <laughs> even when she competes." Right. Um. Uh, yeah, I did. That's yeah. Well, throughout this whole season, they never find out who she is. Right, and that happens in like every contest mm-hmm. arc. 
Like she always competes under an alias and a disguise. Well, in this season, actually, for Gemini and Pearl, she always uses the uses the same one. Right, yeah. and that that happens in Kalos too. She has oh, like she a does? consistent one. Okay, yeah, that she competes throughout the region with. But it's just weird that she does that one contest as Jesse, mm-hmm. the one with with Apom. Yeah, maybe they're but just it, like this is an outlier. Like yeah. they, they don't think about it too much as like something she wants to keep doing. Probably because they're like, oh, she just wants to compete for the fruit, which is right. one of the motivators. But it's also just Jesse wanting to do something um, flashy. Right. But this brings us to the end of the episode, which actually cuts to the beginning of the contest. And Dawn is coming onto the stage for her turn and brings out Pachirisu who has a nice performance coming out of the ball, but then accidentally falls over and rolls straight into the judges panel, <laughs> which freaks it out. And it starts just running in circles. Right. Just completely loses control. Yeah. And that's the cliffhanger for this. It's just like a panic Pachirisu in the middle of a performance. And Don does seem to have an idea of how to solve this. Uh, but that's where we actually leave off episode 26 of Diamond and Pearl. Uh, So we're going to jump right into the next one, but it's very much a continuous story here, uh, leaving right Mm -hmm. as we left off. But what would you rate getting the pre-contest titters episode 26 again? Hmm, Let's see. So I I enjoyed it a lot. I liked the new character. I like Kenny a lot. I... I'm not sure about all this whirlpool stuff that we've already discussed. Yeah. There is a lot of setup in here that makes it work in the next episode. Uh, one of which we actually skipped over, but we can talk about it at the start of this next episode. Sure. Uh, and then, yeah, I think it was just fun and enjoyable. I want to give it like a, Sort of between a six and a seven, personally. Yeah, that's but where I would put it to you. I do think it's it mainly works because of the next episode, though. Right. It's it's a two parter, and it's very heavily reliant on like the next part because it is a setup for it. But all the like the the climax of everything that is building up here is go is in a separate episode completely. So, with that in mind, I would probably give it a six point five. But yeah, uh, let's move on to this one, which is episode 27, settling a not-so-old score. And uh, we're taking off here with, again, Pachirisu just running around, and Don's like, I have an idea. But you said there was something we missed in the last one that you wanted to touch on. Yeah, so in the opening of the last episode, uh, after we had the Pachirisu and uh, Pikachu training... Dawn ends the training by giving Pachirisu uh, one of the Poffins. Mm-hmm. And then Diplop and Pachirisu both start begging for Poffins, and like they refuse to listen to her to Dawn until <laughs> she gives her any it gives them any more. Right. And then Pikachu just like zaps everyone and says, Enough of this. Right. Or I think it's Pachirisu actually that just like Oh no. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Discharge everyone. 
Yeah, but everyone gets zapped. Uh, but it shows how both of them get so fixated on these poffins and mm-hmm. that poffins, of course, continue to be relevant, uh, which is, you know, just a good thing to show uh, for the poffins as a new game mechanic. Yeah, and that kind of leads us into the solution that Dawn thinks of here. As exactly. She, she pulls out a poffin from her dress pocket, which to me is like, the least believable part that her dress has pockets. Has pockets? <laughs> oh man! But conveniently, she has puffins in there, and she throws one out and gets Pachirisu to focus on it and says, "You spark to go and catch it," and it does in a very cute way, which uh, saves her performance, which I think is a really nice strategy on her part. Yeah, and Pachirisu just goes like Super Saiyan here, just <laughs> saps his way over to it. It's great. Yeah, and that's enough to collect and center Pachirisu to focus back on the performance. So Dawn has it use this charge to create sparks around the stadium in a very fireworks fashion, I'd say. And then uses Sweet Kiss to shower everyone in these cute hearts. Uh, and again, brings the performance to an elegant finish, which is a nice save. Yeah, I like this use of... Like all of Dawn's time being important, like sure she mm-hmm. like is shaky at the beginning, but she's able to save it and bring it back. Yeah, and it's I think it's done well. It's definitely showing that she's effective at at turning around quickly and improvising. Um to make the most of it because she knows like, oh if I don't if I don't make if I don't get through here, I'm not gonna make it to the next round. Right. And then we cut to some other performances with Jesse again disguised as Jessalina using her Viper. And then um, Dawn is just kind of resting in the back as everyone else watches the performance, including Kenny. And Kenny actually remarks that Jessalina is actually really good. <laughs> right. And, and the crowd responds very, very mm-hmm. positively to her. She's not bad by any means at, at this contest stuff. It's, yeah, it's nice to see that she actually has a knack for it and yeah. does some things that surprise people. I think both viewers and people in the show by having by having Survivor wrap around her and kind of involving herself in the, these performances for moves that like would otherwise kind of be hard to show off their appeal if it was just the Pokemon by itself. Yeah, and just showcasing those Pokemon because... <laughs> Poison type kind of gets like the short end of the stick a lot. People don't really think about it. It doesn't really perform well competitively. So it is nice to see it in a more positive context and that mm. Jesse excels mm. with her poison types. Yeah, that's that's another good point as well. Uh, you show the more positive light on a type that's probably a little more uh, villainized and just not used mm-hmm. as much. And then we get to Kenny's appeal where he sends out an Alakazam. Who are you trading with, Kenny? I'm, yeah, I'm like, Kenny, we're, we just passed the first gym. How, what, what happened here? You, How did you get this? Yeah, I'm like, this is very random. <laughs> I, I don't understand why he has this. It's, like, a very powerful Pokemon, A. 
not a Sinnoh Pokemon, which I thought would kind of be the feature here. Though we do see Zoe use like Mistrevis, to be fair. Um, but it's also like a third stage evolution, which I think is the first time we've seen any main trainer have that so far in this uh, season. Right. It's just like doesn't match the power curve that everyone else has been on and even yeah. that Kenny has been on because he still has his primplup. I think Kenny's hacking. That's the only thing I can... I can he has he has a second here. DS to trade with. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, just self-trading. That's what it is. He, got he has it up two Pokedexes to, to yeah. trade with himself. Uh. <laughs> uh, this guy. I don't... It, it's just so out of left field. Yeah, I'm like... Maybe if he's shown it before or something, but like, <laughs> I'm like, why? Why does he have this? He does lead into the psychic slash magician appeal with this as mm-hmm. he uses light screen to create a box around it before using shadow ball to destroy the light screen and then reappear using teleport, which is actually kind of a cool idea. Right. Uh, that very much is like, oh, where? How did the magician escape this like death trap? Kind of, right? It's very flashy. Uh, mm-hmm. It does very much evoke magician imagery, which is neat. Yes, that's a good word for it. Yeah, especially given uh, the lines Japanese names, which are all based on famous magicians. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh. Oh, partially famous. There's the whole Yuri Geller right. nonsense with Yuri Geller. Um, I remember that, but I didn't know about the other ones being also based on that in Japanese. I, I want to say it's Alakazam. I know it's one of them. I think it's Alakazam that's named after Houdini. That would make sense, yeah. I do like that they leaned into that. Yeah, it's like a good to show a creative approach to it um, that has a specific theme in mind. And this also is like... Me th- it had me thinking, if he uses this in battle, he's going to destroy some people. <laughs> because right. Alakazam is such a powerful Pokemon. And I think it's it's weird that this shows up because he made such a big deal in the episode before, literally yesterday for them, mm-hmm. where he wanted Primplup to battle Pikachu because it was so strong. And he yeah. wanted to like train up and get stronger. And get his Pokemon stronger, and then he's out here with an Alakazam. Like, dude, what are you talking about? You're, you're strong enough, buddy. Like, calm down. You know, mm, okay, so to be fair, you can evolve Kadabra into Alakazam pretty much as soon as you get it, which is right below level 20. That's my headcanon. But anyway, uh, we move on to the next round where Jessalina, Dawn, and Kenny all go two mm-hmm. um and we get a match between Jessalina and dawn with piplup being on dawn's side and dustox being on her side and it goes really well for dawn actually yeah she handles it well i like how she uses whirlwind against dustox mm-hmm. with the like flip and peck combo being able to like roll and literally sparkle with the whirlwind i think that's yeah really we get cool. another version of the spin approach to mm-hmm. actually even boost Piplup's momentum, um, which is uh, something we haven't seen before with that spin meta, I guess. Spin meta is overpowered for context. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, Ash and Dawn are, are the early adopters of it. 
And then we get into a tough situation where Dustox is going in for Poison Sting and Psybeam, and all Piplup can really do is dodge, which is starting to wear down on Don's points because it's being overpowered. Uh, which I think is kind of interesting because usually if a Pokemon dodges the attack, the attacker actually loses points. But I guess it wasn't being dodged flashy enough in this case and um, was just kind of sh not showing much appeal on Piplup's part. Right. Contest battles in general just confuse me. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> It's mostly because of what happens next, which is that Dawn actually, or Piplup actually knocks out Dustox. And the fact, like, sure, if your Pokemon gets knocked out, of course it can't battle. But, like, what's to prevent a coordinator, and Ash even tries this in the Jubilife contest, from just going all out and just knocking them out and ending it? Like, it just seems like a weird solution. Yeah, it's probably generally harder to knock out the other Pokemon. That's like, true. It, it can take a while. And, like, sometimes, yeah, it can be like, oh, it's three moves and it's out. But these are trainers that focus mostly on appeal. And that probably mm -hmm. includes things like evasion. So I'm assuming they have a good way of countering these moves that like might be really flashy for their opponent, but they can turn them against them. Like we see with whirlwind. Right. But yeah, good, good point. Still, it is kind of arbitrary as at certain points where we see things that like in one case mean they lose points. In the other case, it means the opponent loses points. So totally agree with you there. That's not always the most consistent. Hey, it's in line with the games. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> they're trying to portray the RNG here. <laughs> Very true. Oh, that's funny. Uh, and then with Dawn's win out of the way, we get to the next round where Kenny also makes it to. And it's the finals where we get to see Primplup versus Piplup. Yeah, so this is what the episode's all been leading up to, and the mm -hmm. previous episode, it is that sort of final matchup for this bit between the two evolutions. So it's uh, the the outcome is predictable, I will say, um, mm -hmm. but I think it, it does everything that we've seen in the past thirty minutes of of anime has paid off yes i definitely agree there there's a lot of payoff here that makes me relieved it was a two-part episode and it wasn't kind of just stuffed into one yes because it shows a little more importance of kenny's character and gives enough breathing room for piplup to learn this move without it feeling a little random and awkward uh if it which i think it would be if it were just one episode Mm -hmm, definitely and here it's again the battle of two water types where not a lot of moves that the other opponent is going to use on each other will be super effective right it's type advantage again just doesn't really matter mm -hmm. uh kenny keeps bringing it up uh but it is just focused on the moves itself rather than like how effective they are Right. Like at some point, Pippa tries using Bythe, 
And Kenny undercuts this by having Primplup use Dropek with Primplup <laughs> on its beak, and it just keeps spinning it around, which means Don's losing points because it's it's literally getting penguin handled in this point. Right. I will say this wouldn't be an episode with me uh, talking about it if I didn't bring up the music. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're brought out to some very dramatic music for yes. the first half of this battle, and it's the Reggie theme. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's the Reggie Rock, uh, Reggie Steel, Reg Ice theme. Uh, they got rid of some of like the digital like synth sound. It's there at the beginning, but they like cleaned it up a bit, so it's more just the Hoenn trumpets blaring. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they do they do that, and I think it works here. It's not like that one time where they bring oh in the crowd on music for a Team Rocket battle. Yeah, I, I think it's fitting because we've had so much buildup and it is dramatic. I'm honestly trying to think if the Sino anime is supported a lot by its musical choices. Because they always seem to be very dramatic and intense, and usually in a good way, but I wonder if that's part of my bias in in like liking a lot of these and kind of seeing them as more mature or high stakes episodes is that they just use, they use music to the next level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Uh, But yeah, interesting piece of trivia there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it it does add a lot, especially to the drama of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is weird to me that there's still, I guess it's because of the movies that were coming out around this time but they're still using Gen 3 legendary they are. Things, mm-hmm. which is, I would think they would start phasing it into Gen 4 music. Yeah, maybe they just had some delay on getting that music still. Um, yeah, and maybe they just don't want to introduce like the mm. uh, Dialga music until it's time. That's probably the better uh take i'd say because it makes sense for them to save that music for the introduction of these legendary characters that we get later on right um but going back to the battle this is where we see piplup use the whirlpool and then it becomes a (laughs) like (laughs) surfing a battle as they both kind of swim around the whirlpool in a very very like anime-esque way um, right. Well, there's two whirlpools. Oh, so, there are. Okay. Yeah. So it uses it once uh, to counter a metal claw, and then Primplup immediately breaks it mm-hmm. using Bubble Beam, and then we get that whole bit with the mist. Right. Which and just... has the strangest commentary from uh, Marianne, the the contest MC, where she says, "Talk about thick." Oh, like, my okay. God. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mary. Ann. <laughs> Please. She's doing for uh, the ratings. Right. And then after that, when the mist, well, Primplup does that sort of ambush through the mist. And then Piplup does the whirlpool again. And Kenny, as great as he is throughout the rest of the episode, kind of is grating to me here. 
in that he responds to literally every move Don makes with like, really, that's not going to be strong enough. Yeah, it's very it's, like antagonistic for no reason. And so repetitive. Mm-hmm. It's the same beat over and over of him <laughs> like down, like looking down at Dodge. We're just like, she's your childhood friend, dude. Like what? And especially because they make such a big deal throughout this contest battle of showing how evenly matched the two are. Mm-hmm. You would think he wouldn't be so arrogant about it. Yeah, it's a weird portrayal for him. And they, I'm curious at why it's less consistent here between, well, between this episode and the last one. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's mostly to show Don being able, able to overcome this and like give some kind of satisfaction but to me it's a little forced still i agree but it does end with a primplup versus uh primplup metal claw versus a piplup peck and then they both lose points but after a double bubble beam it shows that time is run out and dawn wins by just a small point difference hmm and she's thrilled. She goes up and receives her first contest ribbon and then calls her mom about it to show her the ribbon. Uh, even though it, it, it's also brought up that she's like, I promise I wouldn't call you after every contest. <laughs> but she's like, no, it's right. fine. <laughs> this, this, this one's okay. Right. I mean, her relationship with her mom is important, but I do also like that uh, her mom says you know one one is great but you also need Mm. to just keep working and keep improving and build up your team yeah so i i do like that it's like celebrate the victory now but like there's still a lot to come exactly yeah like this is just the beginning for you like you got you got a lot ahead of you you're like one fifth of the way through here right and he does tease her with dd uh the nickname that came up in the beginning of last episode Ash tries to ask what it means, but Don's like, nope, you're not getting that from me. Yeah, and we get the, like, cutoff there where the narrator just, like, starts talking over their arguing. Yeah. Uh, I will say I liked a bunch of the small asides between Don and Kenny that we got throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's more depth there, and there was one that really stuck out to me, which was where Don was like, I didn't know you were into contests, and yeah, and Kenny acts like kind of disappointed he's like you just never noticed and she's she's very confused by it yeah i'm like there's a few things here where i'm like is he lying is he like i got into contest later and doesn't want to share for some reason but i think your interpretation might be a little more on the nose knowing what we see kenny do later on this season yeah, I'm not sure what that is yet, so we'll see. What, what is your interpretation of this kind of, these little side conversations then, not not knowing what's ahead? I know there's more to him. I don't honestly okay. know what that could be. There there has to be more, obviously, with the name, with, with Dee Dee. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because of how it's cut off at the end of Ash trying to figure that out. I... 
I'm not sure. I feel like I feel like Kenny might be into Dawn. I feel like that's actually mm. probably it. Mm-hmm. Especially with how flustered he gets when he sees her in the dress. Um, and that he might be doing this all to like impress her. Mm. And and I say that I say that because he also makes a big deal about when he saw her on TV for the Jubilife contest that he knew that she would be going to Floroma town and that's why he decided to come there. So it does. Oh, seem wow. Like, okay. I didn't even think about yeah. that part. And, and she gets, she kind of takes a pause there. That, that conversation happens between the, like right before the finals, I believe. Right. Right. Um, and she, You're putting she a lot of pieces together there. here, which I think is really fascinating. <laughs> so I think, I think that's probably where, like, like that's my prediction on where it's going. Sure. Uh, I don't know though, and I am interested to see Kenny come back in more contests. Hopefully, see Zoe come back, and maybe see all three of them together. I think that would be really cool to see. Yeah, totally. I would love to hear Zoe's insight on their relationship because she can be very blunt at times. And I'd love yes. to hear <laughs> what her take is on, on what's going on there. Right. But I don't think we're going to see contests for a while. Maybe. Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to remember here. I think we don't get another one this season. We get one more this season. Um, okay. Cuz I know and, next is a turn and or not yeah, turna. Yeah, we get a, a, another gym battle for Ash and then one more contest. But we are getting close to the end. We're like we're halfway through, but a lot of the main events are starting to kind of come together here. Right. Um and it's it's going to be interesting, but I think this season actually does a great job of setting up so many things that we see in future seasons. Um, so if you're ahead here, like it does, it, I will say if you're watching this for the first time, it can seem kind of slow, but <laughs> it's a lot of good pacing in these character moments and these relationship building episodes, which pay off really nicely at the end. Yeah, we're only like, what, four or five towns in mm-hmm. to the Sinnoh region. So we're still very early on, only one gym. Uh, but I think it works. I like the character moments that we get. I like that it's not just uh, our trio, our main trio, but we also have yeah. these recurring characters such as Zoe and Paul and Kenny mm-hmm. that like this this cast is growing and we're going to see more of these characters as well. Yeah, it's a very strong supporting cast which I think really identifies Sinnoh and the Diamond and Pearl anime specifically because just looking back at Dawn or looking back at May in the Hoenn region with the um advanced saga or the advanced series of the anime um she kind of stumbles a lot into contests. Like there's several times where I can remember her like running late to register for a contest. And it's like, ah, like we're, we're going to make it. We might not make it. Ah, like it's, it's, 
she's not prepared at all. And here it's like, oh, I got my road planned at, to go um, compete in contests. And she's still, yeah, she's still like kind of learning which when each one's happening. But it's nowhere near as disorganized as Maze was. Uh, and there's so many more characters that come back here versus in Hoenn where she'll meet it's someone. Yeah, and it's just character of the day and we'll like maybe get a flashback, but that's it. I will say when we were first starting this season, like, I don't know, or like up to my first episode, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Dawn. I felt I felt like I think this was just them transitioning, but it felt like a lot of the show in general was at first like a continuation or clone of Advanced. And I think it's grown out of that, and I think Dawn has grown out of that. And she's very much like a different character than May, which I didn't feel at first. I can totally see that, yeah. It, especially as we go further along, they're, it, it feels very much like they were kind of like towing, putting their toe in the water with what things they could do with her. Right. And also just trying to like, understand who this character is because so much of the early episodes are her like checking her pokedex and asking brock and ash questions <laughs> and that's it right so, and now she's starting to come into her own mm -hmm. and like learn things on her own her pokemon are obviously getting stronger and she does have these more solid goals that i don't think mm -hmm. may ever really like well, she may got there eventually, but it feels right. like Dawn just knows her trajectory a lot more. Yes. And she also even has moments where she knows stuff that Ash and Brock don't. Like yeah. about the Poketch and also in the episodes before these, this one about Poffins um, and just like other things like that that makes sense for her to know being the daughter of a Pokemon coordinator. Exactly. So any last thoughts on episode 27 settling a not so old score? I really enjoyed this one. I think it mm -hmm. was one of my favorites. I like how this is Dawn's first contest win and it feels mm. earned. It yeah. feels very earned. It doesn't feel like, oh, I just like stumbled through and made it like the last 26 episodes with Dawn have been building to this. Yeah. And, you know, it is kind of basic in story in that she lost the first one and she's going to do better the second time and then she wins it. Um, but I think it works. I think making this Contest win against Kenny, this new character, rather than bringing back Zoe, was good. Mm -hmm. uh, I do know why they didn't bring back Zoe, and it's discussed later. I do know that part. Um, I think, yeah, just building that and then jumping straight from this last episode uh, that was focused on introducing Kenny and Primplup. I think everything that was set up there pays off here and that we've gotten just a lot of payoff in general from Dawn's journey. Totally. Yeah. And it's also nice that 
they establish that there's some history between her and Kenny. It's not yes. a random new character, though technically is, but there's something there that is more satisfying to watch than just a random new rival for her that uh, she has no relationship to prior to this. Right. I know I bring up later series a lot, but there's a certain rival that Ash gets in Kalos that feels exactly like that, where he doesn't show up until the final season. Oh, and, I think I know you're talking about. Yeah. And suddenly is a huge deal. And like, what? Like where did you Ash come is, from? Ash's main rival and the characters introduced in a like set of like three special episodes, oh, like not man. even in the main series. And it just comes out of nowhere and feels so unearned. Whereas even though we're just meeting Kenny for the first time, it does feel like there's more there. There's more to explore. And it's not just this character that we're going to see once and that's it. Right. It's very much the foundation for their relationship going forward as well. Uh, where like you could you can maybe with with uh, other rivals or like other seasons it, it's very much like oh this is the arc the arc is you meet this person and you beat them but this one you can tell that there's going to be more to it and uh, mm -hmm. this isn't going isn't the end of it which is really nice because it makes you look forward to seeing this character again and not just like oh you're the person who had this like whirlpool arc with piplup <laughs> and that's all you're known right. for and what I like about the contest is that in order to reach, you know, the, the finals for the contests, you have to win other ribbons. And so it's implied that whoever Dawn meets at these finals, provided she gets there, uh, will also be winning these contests and will also be skilled. And so it shows that, you know, maybe Kenny could be one of those people. Maybe Zoe is going to be one of those people. And so you're kind of rooting for them as well. Yeah. It's, it, it's different from, say, Paul, where it's more antagonistic and you're like, well, I kind of hope Paul doesn't win this battle and then Ash, like, doesn't win this gym battle and then I hope Ash does. It's like you're, you're kind of rooting for everyone. Right. Like, you don't want someone in particular to lose and you you know like one person winning here actually affects the other person because right. there's only one ribbon uh and i i think that's the kind of balance that is good with the rivals that we see in in dawn's roster or her <laughs> rogues gallery you might say yeah. <laughs> because there's one particular rival with May, which I keep bringing up, but he sucks. <laughs> like, he is a jerk all the way through and Wait, tries to sabotage it, May all the way. The Cacturn guy? Yes. Yeah, Harley. Oh Harley, yeah, he's awful. Like, there's no <laughs> reasonable person rooting for that guy. Um, no. And he becomes the, her main antagonist, which is like fine but she falls for it so often that it's just annoying to watch while here it's not nearly as forced of a of a conflict because there it doesn't have to be a conflict of like oh someone's trying to cheat it's more like someone is right. trying to win the same thing you are right and i think you know right now they're setting up for zoe to be that sort of main 
main contest rival so far mm-hmm. uh, because she's beaten both of them. Yeah, that's true. And I think that having that and having them be like fair wins and also having Zoe be nice to them. Like she's not, they both speak very highly of her when they talk about her. And it's not like Harley where it's like everyone gets annoyed when they see him. (laughs) They're all like, go away. (laughs) No one wants you here. Yeah, definitely a really nice dynamic that shows the difference between Ash Dawn's journeys and the factors that go into contests versus gym battles. Exactly. But yeah, overall, what would you rate this episode? I want to put this one at an eight, maybe even oh, higher. Okay. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Again, I loved, loved, loved the payoff. Um, it was dramatic, but not overly so. And mm-hmm. I just think that the it sort of closes out Dawn's first arc and it does so in a way that feels earned. It feels like we've, we deserve this and Dawn deserves this. Yeah, definitely. I will settle on a 7.5 mostly because Kenny's portrayal does kind of fall apart here. And yeah, is, is maybe the weakest part of this episode, but that's saying a lot given how much, how many interactions and how much action we get here. Um, from the peel round and the battle round being so strong. But yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. So JM, thanks for coming on and talking about this epic first arc closure for Dawn. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Great episodes. So Definitely, yeah. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched it, Go ahead and do that. You can actually go to Pokemon.com and click on Pokemon TV to see this season at the time of this recording. So if it's not there in the future, sorry, but it might be come back later uh, because they're known to rotate through these seasons there. So follow along with us if you aren't already. I will say it looks like rotations might be happening soon because they've brought in uh season 11 yes onto pokemon tv damn and so, pearl uh galact that's no, not galactic battle shoot mm, what's it called i don't know i just know it is season 11 oh man hold up let me let me check this real quick uh battle dimension oh yes okay which so, is a cool, cool season name yeah, but just for anyone who might be listening, mm-hmm. know that things might start to rotate out soon. They'll probably add a couple more seasons of Diamond and Pearl, Sinnoh in general, before they, they get rid of season 10. Yeah, they've been doing a really weird thing where they're featuring some regions that come after Sinnoh for a little bit and then keep it, and then like they last less time than the Sinnoh so. seasons. Like, they did that with, I think, Kalos. Was it Kalos? And now they did Unova. Yeah. I'm like, what? What's happening here? Like, why, why are you going through all these seasons when Diamond and Pearl's, like, the main one you have? But right. hopefully that just means they're going to be up for a while as we get closer to Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl coming out later. Hopefully, yeah. But until next time, feel free to subscribe, leave any comments down below about what you thought about these episodes, how John's characters go in so far, 
and any other thoughts or questions that we might take a look at in a future episode with JM. So until next time, I've been William. I've been JM. And we'll see you in Sinnoh. Bye. See ya.